0: Hi everyone, it's Matt Lehman here from Trinity Church Kernelite Gardens. In today's episode, I'm going through study one in the word one-to-one studies to just share a few ideas on how you can add to the excellent skeleton of the study that the book provides. For those at Trinity Church Kernelite Gardens, you can join our Slack channel to discuss and share ideas that you've had, which are probably way better than mine. And if you want more detail, you can head to the website, the word one-to-one, And each of the studies there has a 25-minute or so video with the author Richard Borgonan on how he does the studies. This podcast is meant to be a quick five-minute hit to share a few ideas to help you bring the studies to life with your own stories. And as always, remember prayer is the best prep you can do before meeting up with someone for a word one-to-one. Today we're on episode 1, which is John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, starting on page 6 of the booklets. I always kick off this study and uh, put the thought in people's mind on who is John, and I really want to stress that he was a real person who lived and observed everything we see here about Jesus. Uh, It's my uh, working theory, I can't prove this, but I reckon John was probably One of the young, was indeed the youngest of disciples. I think it explains the timing of the letters John wrote that we have in the Bible for us. I think it explains why uh, John was described as the beloved uh, disciple in his gospel. Uh, I think that makes sense if, you know, there's a bunch of 30-something guys and they've effectively got a teenager hanging out with him. He'd kind of be the mascot of the group, the one that was specially loved. I think that makes sense of what we read about John in his gospel and also of the little details as well, that uh, John was kind of reclining against Jesus at the Last Supper and little things like that, which might be a little bit strange amongst some 30-something-year-old blokes, but if John was the young guy there, I think that makes total sense. I always share a few of those points and say look I can't prove that but that's my working theory on John who we know is one of Jesus' disciples and eyewitnesses Uh, that's just a little bit about John and as I share that story I'm really trying to get people in as we start the study to thinking ah this is John who is a real person who really was there and uh, shared and experienced a lot in the life of Jesus. So I would read then through the notes on pages 6 to 7, and then we'd turn the page and get into it on pages 8 to 9. I usually set up the studies and say, look, for some parts we're just going to motor through and go through the uh, text as it is, using the questions and uh, the answers that the word one-to-one provides. And then at other times uh, I'll stop and share a story, and uh, you can ask questions, of of course, any time along the way so with this one as it gets underway i'd pretty much stick to the notes on the first bit Uh, verse one in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and then i'd say well look how often the phrase the word is used john stresses twice the word was there in the beginning but what or who is the word we're told there verse one uh, that the word was with god and the word was god uh, which is an astounding claim, in verse two he was with God in the beginning, saying he there means this the Word is a person now all i 'm doing here is reading straight from the notes i 've just had a, a quick prep through it beforehand and know how the arrows and things move around the page, and for some parts of the study, I just go through like that and ask people if they have questions along the way. Where I try and bring this page to life uh, is verse five. Uh, that's the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. This is a story I stole from Richard Bourgonne himself when he came and did the training with us. And I think it's a great story. Uh, just to kind of, after you've moved through some text for a while, just sort of say one of the great um, uh, you know, things that reminds me that uh, you know Jesus really is the light shining in the darkness is what happened in china about 60 years ago in the mid 50s the commun- uh, the communist government kicked out the christian missionaries they all had to leave china they thought well we're going to have to wipe china off the map we've got no access to it but very wisely they left their bibles behind and over the centuries, those Bibles were treasured, they were read, and many people became Christians. So by the time, uh, in uh, the, after the turn of the millennium, when Christian mission agencies got access to China again, uh, they found a vibrant but persecuted underground uh, church that had formed simply by the power of the word of God and what Jesus had revealed to uh, them through his word. And they say uh, conservative estimates roughly say that about a hundred million people in China have become Bible-believing Christians in the last decade as this word has come has gone out. So I share that story just to sort of say, look, there's plenty of people who and plenty of reasons uh, uh, opposing the Christian message, and the government was very trying to do that. But Jesus really is the light of the world, and the darkness never overcomes it and uh, Jesus is indeed the light that shines in the darkness. And then I try and relate it to the person I'm with, and uh, often they've been along to church with us and sort of say, you've probably had the view, like most people, that religion's on the way out, churches are small, they're old, they're closing, but you've been in our church. You've seen the huge number of kids that run in and out every week, people of all ages, a vibrant church that's growing, filling up, starting new gatherings, planting new churches. Uh, we see that not as anything great that we've done. We just see that as Jesus being a light that shines in the darkness as we share the word of God with others which reveal him. So that'd be that's kind of the two main stories I bring Study 1 uh, to life with. So I would um, then turn the page to page 10 and 11. I would go uh, through the notes there, largely uh, as they're Uh, explained, I kind of ad lib a bit on the idea of John the Baptist being sort of this kind of rock star preacher who'd be online everywhere, he'd be on Q&A here in Australia getting Tony Jones uh, fired up. I'm just trying to bring these stories very quickly uh, to light. Then as you turn the page to pages uh, 12 and 13, Uh, largely stick to the notes and then harp on the idea of uh, what it means to become a child of God. And really that last quote there at the bottom of page 13, sort of who gets this right to become people, uh, children of God? Well, it's not people born into a religious family. It's not people who somehow became religious, but people who received Jesus and who Jesus gave the right to be children of God. Um, I think that's just uh, the bit I try and bring out on that page and, and you can probably feel I'm starting to kind of motor through the study now. I try and just bring out two or so bigger stories and with the questions that people have along the way just sticking through the notes uh, is, is really helpful. You might come up with other stories and ideas to share but of course um, as uh, we get to page 16 and 17, I usually spend a little bit of time on verse 16 explaining what grace is, this idea of an undeserved kindness of God, but also that Jesus came to bring grace and truth. We all have an idea of how the world works, what's wrong with it, how it's fixed. Um, And I say from the Christian worldview, we're just saying that Jesus is the one bringing grace, but also truth on how the world really works, what the big problems are and how they're solved. And that's all uh, comes in the person of Jesus. By the time you get to page 18 and 19, then that's just the summary. Largely stick to the notes at that point. And then pages 20 to 21, I usually ask the person I'm with just to read the passage through in their head with the view of, you know, does it make a lot more sense now? And I usually say, look, if we read these whole eight ten verses, it's so dense. Most, you know, your head would have probably filled up uh, by verse three. But now having stepped through it, verse by verse I reckon it'll make a lot more sense to you have a read of it now if you've got any questions we can talk about them if not I usually just finish by always asking did you enjoy that would you like to do it again and uh, everyone so far has said yes so I give them a little bit what comes next and uh, encourage them if they want to go back through their notes that's fine but also not to read ahead because it's really my job to uh, bring it to life and um, I think that's just a, a helpful way to finish off Uh, the study. Usually then make a a time, whether it's going to be a fortnight or whatever before we catch up again and finish off uh, the study. Anyway, I hope you found that helpful. Slightly longer podcast for uh, episode one, just to give you a bit more background on how I approach it. Every week I'm planning on uploading a new episode as I'm doing this uh, with a couple of people uh, just to keep sharing ideas. And for those at Trinity Church Kernel Gardens, please hit our Slack channel, uh, share your stories and insights uh, so that we can all be learning together. It's hashtag mission. Uh, the word one-to-one. Oh, I might need to check that. Anyway, you'll find it on Slack. Thanks for being with us.